Hey, it's Tony Bruski. If you enjoy this podcast, Real Ghost Stories Online, be sure to check out our other paranormal podcast, The Grave Talks, with new episodes every Monday and Tuesday. Just search The Grave Talks wherever you download podcasts. Now, here's a 15-minute preview of one of this week's episodes of The Grave Talks. Today on The Grave Talks, Demonic Cleansing with Michelle Belanger. From a very young age, Michelle Belanger was in touch with her awareness of the other side. She knew there was much more to the story of life, even if the answers weren't immediately clear. From early encounters with spirits to sensing energy that others dismissed, Michelle's fascination and experiences increased. Michelle would eventually become one of the most informed and well-studied individuals on the topic of demons and the occult in the world. Today, we dive in to her world and discuss the life and the work of Michelle Belanger and demonic cleansing on the Grave Talks. For me, absolutely, the journey began in childhood. I was raised in a family where psychic experiences were not unusual, and I was encouraged to talk about what happened and and what I was perceiving. But we also had a strong background in academia uh, and scholarship, so I was also encouraged to study as much as I could about people who'd come before and, you know, world traditions had talked about these things, to question it, not merely to say, ooh, I saw a ghost and sort of swallow that wholesale is absolutely the truth. Uh, as, as I grew up, I, I was an, an early reader and an avid reader uh, and uh, all of my various journeys. I, I also went to the, the coolest public school system that you can imagine in Ohio in the 70s and early 80s which is to say that uh, one of the programs they offered when I was in fourth and fifth grade were these Saturday enrichment programs where you got to take more school if you were really good at school. Mm-hmm. And one of the teacher's father-in-laws, he worked with and was a member of the Society for Psychical Research in the UK. And when he came over and visited, he taught parapsychology as one of those pickup courses for our school system. So I got to learn parapsychology from a member of the Society for Psychical Research as a 10 and 11 year old. Wow. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's not your your typical after school activity. That's that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like like they they also offered like early computing and wargaming with miniatures and dissection and lots of other stuff. But like that that one obviously like stuck with me. And, you know, when I talk about it, you think about where we're at right now, that that, that would never happen. Mm-hmm. That would never happen these days. Yeah, yeah. But that that set me up for, again, being curious and not just an experiencer, but somebody who studied it. Uh, I went on to college. I was a National Merit Scholar, um, uh, one of two in my, in my school, um, Fulbright Scholarships, yada, yada, yada. And in college, ultimately, I started off in psychology. But um, finally got uh, uh, my undergrad and as well as my graduate stuff in comparative religious studies with a concentration in um, uh, the psychology of religion. Okay. Uh, 
take me back into your childhood. Obviously, you were very versed into the study of this. It wasn't just, well, grandma's got some ghost stories or, or anything like that. It, it's very much, here's the history, here's the facts surrounding it, here's here's some stories, here's some accounts. It's, it's the whole, you know, the whole enchilada of everything that, that is surrounding you and, and your mind as it's developing, as you're growing. Uh, what was your first experience um, personally with with something that you would classify or one would classify as being paranormal or supernatural beyond studying and learning about this stuff, but more so a personal experience that made you go, oh, wow, what was that? For, for most of my life, the one that I believe was the earliest ghost encounter that I'd had had happened at the local library. I was um, four years old. Uh, and I know I, I'd, I'd had open heart surgery twice as a kid. So like my final heart surgery kind of like makes this great like mental map landmark. So I know it was before that final surgery. So I am somewhere around the age of four and not quite four and a half. The local library was a former residence that had been transformed into a library. And they had started doing that in 1975. Now, unbeknownst to tiny me at the time, as soon as they started making the changes to the library necessary to turn it into a library, they started to have paranormal phenomena, like you do when you start changing things. Uh, and the main ghost that most people started to see was someone that they referred to as the blue lady. Uh, and, and this becomes important later. Okay. So I'm four, four and a half, and I'm there to look at uh, you know, books. I'm an early reader, and my mom knows the librarian, so my mom gets sidetracked and is talking to the librarian. They're still doing construction, and there's a section that is you know, taped off uh, with a little caution tape. And I am told that under no uncertain terms am I supposed to go up the stairs under the caution tape. So, of course, the instant mom's back is turned. That's exactly where I go because <laughs> that's the <laughs> kind of kid I was. I needed to know why. Sure. Uh, I end up in uh, well, only one of the doors was something that I could open. And I go into a room up there. And it, it was, to four-year-old me, incredibly boring because it was mostly empty. It was like a tarp. Um, probably like like some sawhorses or a ladder and stuff. Like people had been painting up there, um, and other than that, there was pretty much nothing except for this woman who was standing at the window. And she didn't acknowledge me at first. Uh, she was just sort of staring out the window, like she was, I don't know, waiting for someone, looking for someone. If I'd known the word at the time, I would have said that she looked melancholy. Okay. She had this dress, and this is what like really caught my attention and had me standing and staring for a little while, because it had all these tiny buttons all the way up the back to kind of a high-tight collar, and these sleeves that started out poofy on the shoulders, and then they got really tight toward her forearms, and again, all these tiny little buttons all the way down. Mm -hmm. um, and to my perception, the dress was white with little blue flowers embroidered on it. And, you know, four-year-old me is trying to figure out how she buttons all the buttons. Like, sure. it's... It's a beautiful dress, and how? Like, seriously, how? All these buttons. And as I'm puzzling this this out, my mom realizes that I'm not downstairs anymore. So she hollers for me. Um, and, and the woman has, like, kind of, like, looked in my direction and looked back to the window. So, you know, in retrospect, now I, now I know that there's an intelligent haunting there. Uh, I duck out of the door enough to kind of yell down the hall that, you know, I'm coming and I'm just around the corner. Uh, and then I look back in their room, and the woman isn't there anymore. With four-year-old logic, I have decided that since I am standing in the only door that is visible to this room, that she knows a hiding spot, 
that I cannot see, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that she shouldn't be in there either. So clearly she's just hiding because we're both in trouble for being up here where we're not supposed to be. Sure. So I, I you know, go off and, you know, go, go meet up with mom and, you know, don't talk about anything about this. Uh, and, like, the, the experience stuck with me. And it's important to understand, like, at that time, in that moment, I had no idea I had, I had encountered a ghost. Uh, under the age of, like, I'd say six, five or six, most of my encounters... They looked like people. I mistook them for people. I assumed that they were regular living people. Mm-hmm. And it was it was years later, um, as, as I you know, grew up and started studying stuff in the area, I started to hear rumors that the library was haunted. And then I heard people talk about the lady in blue and who they described was the person I'd seen. Uh, flash forward to 98, and I wrote an article um, about the hauntings in, in my hometown and started to do some real serious digging and learned that her name was Rebecca. And she had died at 28 as a quote-unquote spinster. <laughs> <laughs> she had been the, the sister of the local school teacher. She was from the, um, the 1800s. She was known for her needlepoint, uh, her embroidery work. And uh, she, she died from some wasting thing that was probably consumption or cancer, and they didn't really understand what mm-hmm. it was. Something you die of an organ trail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very much. Maybe not dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> Scurvy. <laughs> and so she was the, the first, like, wow, I, I saw this. This at the same time that, it, that this was active, that everybody else was seeing this, that this was definitely something going on. Um, now, the first time that I was fully conscious that I am perceiving something paranormal uh, was a few years after that, and that was the house I grew up in uh, was was also haunted. And uh, it's it's funny how families that live in stuff like that just get used to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, the, the chandelier would occasionally do, like, a lazy 360. I'm not talking, like, swinging uh, to the level of, like, Ghostbusters, but, like, enough that you would notice that the chandelier is moving. Yeah. And the... the 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 cabinet doors would open and close and uh the the hurricane lamp in my room would would turn on at very opportune times and turn itself off and and i started to like really figure out like this a is not normal and b i'm pretty sure we have a ghost and uh, of course i'd be like hey graham i i think i think there's a ghost she's like oh they, they always do that it's okay but if i but if i saw it if i was able to perceive the spirit behind it then we'd have a conversation about it what was that like? What was the moment? I mean, I understand where you had the realization that the the woman in the library was, in fact, a spirit. But what was the moment where you had realized, oh, my gosh, I think I've been seeing spirits throughout my entire life. What what was that point? Was there like a moment of, of clarity there where suddenly kind of all of that came together for the, those encounters beyond the library ghost? It was, it was really more a gradual, like... I was I was wet, you know. I was I was a fish in the ocean, and slowly I became aware that not everybody else was was swimming in water. Like not everybody else was covered in water. Um, and and I think a lot of that was, you know, going through school, talking with people. Um, my my grandmother would would caution me because, in addition to perceiving spirits, I had a lot of psychic experiences, dreams that would come true, perceptions of people. Actually, that was a bigger thing for me. Um, especially as a, as a young thing, like it took me a while to really, I don't know, I, I guess make peace with the fact that I was in fact seeing spirits. Mm-hmm. It was a lot easier to confirm 
when I had a perception of a living person that like if I picked up a thought or an emotion from them because I could ask them if that was something that they were experiencing. So, so I came to an awareness that that was something that I could do and that I was doing um, even earlier than I was like, huh, not only are ghosts real, but I see them and I guess that's weird. When you're coming to these realizations and, and this is just kind of slowly becoming an understanding that this is part of you, this is part of life, this is, this is how you are, this is who you are, are you sharing this with your family? Yeah. And, and, yeah, and what are they saying? Uh, my, my mom, my aunts all had ghost stories of their own. Um, everybody had had some sort of an experience. Uh, different relatives had different levels to which they had studied or had accepted things. Uh, my, my great aunt Rita was uh, special. She was um, she had studied to be a psychiatrist, and and family things had come together and conspired so that she never completed that. So she was a social worker with a very strong um, psychology background. And I like to joke that she loved uh, Sigmund Freud as much as she liked Jesus Christ. She is a very staunch Catholic and also a Freudian. And how, sh- how those two things <laughs> occupied her brain without having it explode, I don't know. She was like the one family member who didn't perceive things. And so she was a great counterpoint to my grandmother in conversations where we would have late at night just sort of talking the philosophy of existence and you know what what makes up the world and how do we judge these experiences uh, my, my grandmother very much would be willing to listen um, ask counterpoint of like for, for like a, a dream that came true she would say well did you write it down first because anybody can be psychic after the fact so if you have a dream or if you have something that you think might be one of those like premonitions mm-hmm. record it and do it in ink so you can't change it and and that's for two reasons one that keeps you honest so that you don't sort of like go back and try to like retroactively apply it to something mm-hmm. but also so it's in writing and you can look at it and you can go wow i really did foresee this it helps you get a sense of what it feels like because some dreams are just dreams and some dreams do show up with 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 more information mm-hmm. But, but Aunt Rita would take the psychological approach. So uh, really early on, I got to learn a lot about hallucinations and delusions and um, the gestalt effect, where if you look at patterns that are just chaos long enough, I, I think we call it in paranormal community, uh, uh, pareidolia, uh, where your brain wants to make patterns out of things. And so she would caution me about seeing patterns where there weren't any and to always question it. And from, from this whole perspective of my, my grandmother, her sister, um, my mom, and the rest of the family. And, oh, and my Uncle Ray, who uh, was a huge UFO guy. <laughs> so, you know, most of us are all into um, the psychic experiences and, and ghostly experiences and stuff. And, and Uncle Ray, who was an Air Force man and had had some connection to Project Blue Book, uh, he, got a, he had a fairly high security clearance in Vietnam. Uh, and was more from like the science uh, and aviation aspect of these experiences where he saw most of it was either um, alternate dimensions, interdimensional, ultra-dimensional things, uh, or somehow tied to UFOs. So I kind of got like this, this grand education by being able to just sit down and have open conversations 
yeah. with family members who had different different backgrounds, different beliefs, and were willing to talk about it. Uh, even when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like these were conversations that were normal in the house. Mm-hmm. Hope you enjoyed this 15-minute preview of one of this week's two brand new episodes of The Grave Talks. To hear the rest and get new episodes every Monday and Tuesday right in your podcast feed, search The Grave Talks wherever you download podcasts and press subscribe or visit thegravetalks.com.